Hi, welcome back to the TA Report. Um, after a brief hiatus, I'm back today with an awesome episode. I sat down with Daryl Wood. Daryl um, is, well, she's in the world of early careers. She's currently working in interim roles, most recently at Spirax Sarco, a global engineering organization. Daryl and I talked about early careers. We talked about STEM talent, and we talked about, as always, the future of recruitment technology. It was a great conversation. So thank you again to Daryl um, for, for joining us on the TA Report. If you have any feedback following the episode, any questions, etc., you can reach me on matt at higherwindow.com. Without any further ado, Daryl Wood. Hi, welcome to the newest episode of the TA Report. My name is Matt Clark. I'm your host as always. And today I am at the Spirax Sarko offices in Cheltenham. It is a relatively miserable, rainy, early June United Kingdom um, type day, but um, it's a lovely space, wonderful office, and I'm joined um, by my wonderful guest today, Daryl Wood. Daryl, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, and uh, welcome to the office. I'm sorry I couldn't bring some sunshine for you. I mean, and it truly would be um, drastically better if it was if it was a sunny day, because I um, I can't really describe just how gorgeous the grounds of the Spirex Psycho offices are. It's a it's like a fully manicured garden next to a park. Yeah, it's a, we're pretty lucky here. We've got beautiful old buildings. We've got you know lovely stream running through it's, yeah. it's a very nice place to sit outside for lunch um but unfortunately not today yeah it's quite zen i'd call it sort yeah. of quite a zen environment overall. definitely um so daryl some of the some of the the people listening will be familiar with your profile might have met you may even have worked with you in the past others won't have so maybe i'll just open the floor up to you so you can give a quick introduction to yourself what it is you do um what you're currently up to as well Sure. So um, since the start of this year, actually, um, I took the leap into uh, consulting and freelancing um, set up my own limited company um, to enable me to kind of take on project work, go into um, lots of different organisations um, and really have a look at their early careers programmes um, specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so prior to that, my background, I was early careers programme manager for NBC Universal in mm-hmm. London. Um, where I looked after the graduate program, internships, work experience, charity partnerships, you mm. name it, I, I had a go. Um, and really what I wanted to do was take all that wonderful experience that I'd gained and try to apply that to a number of different businesses. Um, so yeah, so you meet me here today at Spirex Sarko, um, where I've been looking after the global graduate recruitment um, for 2019. Um, as well as planning their first global graduate conference um, with the the existing wonderful team here, whilst they waited for um, a new permanent person to mm. join. Um, so she's just started, she's just about settling in, so mm. I'm getting ready to uh, kind of hand things back and uh, head off on my next adventure soon. Fantastic. And I'd love to talk to you more about the, the six months or so you have spent with Spirex Psycho, but before, mm-hmm. before I do that, I'd love to know more about what... what caused that decision to go into contracting into consultancy set up your own limited company what was driving that 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 decision for you yeah um so for me i'd been at nbc universal for around about uh, three and a half years mm-hmm. um i'd actually joined them initially on a three-month contract mm-hmm. um oh, okay. thinking you know uh, i came from bbc worldwide 
Um, it, it was a great opportunity with NBC Universal. Um, and I just thought, well, silly not to, to take something like this. It might go on longer, it mm. might not. Um, for kind of context, uh, my dad's always been a contractor, totally okay. different industry. Yeah. Um, my brother's contracted, so I'm quite familiar with that kind of project setup, and I quite like project based work. Mm. Um, so the role at NBC Universal evolved. I initially joined as talent acquisition for uh, corporate functions. Mm-hmm. Um, and operations and technology. They then kind of started focusing on their early careers offering and how do we make a cohesive intern program in the UK. Mm. So I project managed that. um, And through that process, we realized, hang on, we're kind of going to need somebody to look after this full time. This this isn't just going to run itself. Um, So so from there, I stepped into the permanent position, Mm. uh, ended up inheriting um, and kind of overhauling their graduate program um also then coming up with an apprenticeship strategy um getting involved with the prince's trust uh looking at the work experience offering so partnering with london schools mm. um to offer something that they might not otherwise have have access to mm. um so really had a fantastic experience there um for sort of three and a half years um and then we did have some global realignments within nbc universal um, so uh, at that point, I kind of thought, actually, I've achieved an awful lot in mm. my time here. Um, I've had some great experience. I don't know how much more experience I'll gain in the kind of uh, immediate future. Mm. So I think I'm ready for a new adventure. Okay. Um, and that's really what it was. You know, I went and worked in a startup for a little while um, in a kind of more broadly talent management role. Um, that was a beast in and of mm. itself um mm. you know you kind of think oh yeah startup life quite agile yeah it's definitely agile mm. you definitely have to be capable of adapting mm. um overcoming any challenge that's thrown your way getting your hands dirty um so that was a great learning experience i was there for three months i think i learned more in those three months than i feel i've learned in the last 10 years um <laughs> to do that to you yeah definitely um and you know i oh i may well have aged myself yeah. 10 years in those three months yeah, as well, to you as well. <laughs> <laughs> so you know and then took a little bit of time out took on some short-term projects um with a great company called raw talent mm-hmm. um so they basically work with companies to create entry-level talent academies, mm. um, which was really up my street, you know, um, putting people through their paces, really, in this recruitment process, um, and then running uh, what they call an audition day, where individuals come in, they have a series of different tasks that they go through, kind of apprentice style. Yeah. Um, so that was fantastic, working with them on some of their projects, um, and then the opportunity came along um, to come into Spyrax um, in an interim position. Mm. So um, they had their existing early careers manager was moving internally into a, a more apprentice-focused oh, okay. um, role, so training delivery. Um, and there was going to be a gap before the new permanent person joined. Sure. So, um, yeah, so I've been uh, commuting uh, from sunny Milton Keynes. Oh, wow. Um, a couple of days a week uh, so that has been its own challenge yeah, I'm sure. very early mornings for a non-morning person <laughs> um, but yeah it's been great to 
get some experience in, a, in an entirely new industry for mm. me. I'd never worked within engineering. Um, so the opportunity to work on a graduate program mm. that was really STEM focused yeah. really ticked a lot of boxes for me. Yeah. You know, There's a real drive here on increasing diversity within uh, the STEM industry. Mm. Um, so you know, Spirex are a global engineering company and what they really wanted me to come in and focus on was um, some of their recruitment for the global grad program, mm. so outside of the UK, okay. which, again, was kind of stretching myself. I'd done a little bit of international um, recruitment in the past, um, but it was an opportunity to kind of get stuck in, get to know a new industry, mm. um, new kind of cultures, and also to work um, on delivering this global grad mm. uh, conference which that's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks. I'm really excited about that. We're working with um, interactive workshops. Cool. Um, they've put together a fantastic program. I can't tell you too much. Sure. Because uh, essentially because we're keeping some of it secret from the grads going on the program. Ah, okay. So um, I don't want to spoil the conference for them if yeah. they happen to be listening. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but I mean, because this is really obviously running higher window this stem graduate recruitment that's that's mm. my world that's my that's my bread and butter yes. you know so it, it, i'd be really interesting to really interested to know what about your experience here has mm. surprised you perhaps in terms of the the stem graduate world what has not been what you expected what has been exactly what what you expected i mean how is it compared to your expectations as someone who's come from the world of startups and media into mm. a massive um, but very different engineering firm. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think everyone kind of has preconceptions about STEM mm. and there's been a lot of noise for the last five years or more even mm. of we need to get more girls into STEM. Absolutely. We need more women in engineering. You know, there's a real focus on that. And that was no surprise. Mm. You know, that is definitely reflected here at Spyrax. Um I think they've been doing an incredible job in terms of um, increasing mm. women within engineering. Um, last year on their grad program, they managed 50-50 hiring, awesome. um, which is fantastic. Um, you know, pressure is definitely on this year for mm. me to uh, to try and deliver the same again. Um, you know, but I think really one of the, um, the big surprises is just accessibility of mm. of those candidates within stem um so you know spirax is a big global company but they're not a household name yeah so actually getting our brand in front of those candidates and going hey we've got this amazing program mm. you get to travel internationally you get to go and spend six months in another company mm. developing your skills you get to not just focus on engineering but understand sales and marketing as well and you know explore the business but because we're not a household name, mm. accessing the candidates who meet the requirements can be quite tricky. Yeah. And equally, it's such a competitive market. Mm. There are so many businesses now who want STEM graduates, um, regardless of whether it's technically needed for the role they'll be doing. Yeah. Um, I think STEM is seen as a great background, a great skill set to have. Um, so companies are more and more targeting those STEM students mm. And it means that the talent pool versus the companies that are hiring, mm. um, the ratio is a bit off. So, so yeah, that's, 
I think that's a challenge. Sure. Um, is finding and accessing the right talent, mm. keeping them in your process and making sure that they don't get snapped up by yeah. a competitor, yeah. whether that's one that you recognize as a competitor or not mm. as well. Um, and even, you know, startups are yeah. hugely, um, hugely challenging for existing big businesses because actually, you know, there is a certain sexiness yeah. um, to startups. And I think it can be quite alluring to grads um, to go into that kind of environment. Yeah, I mean, I mean, those are a lot of the clients that, that we're going to be working with. Those are exactly the challenges that they're facing. There's this kind of, it, it, it is essentially a misconception, I think, among the graduate population around where you might enjoy working the most. Because often the most innovative companies aren't that sexy. Uh, they can be in the, in the case of lots of startups um, you know often often the type of organization um, where you think uh, you think you know just take Spark Psycho as an example steam engineering yeah. right there's not many people that necessarily at the age of 21 are, are thinking what I want to go and do with my life is to be a, is to be a steam engineer let's put it let's Absolutely. put it that way but the reality of it is that the global scope and the global scale of a business like this, mm -hmm. uh, the internal opportunities that can be afforded to a young up-and-coming engineer are going to be pretty much second to none, actually, because Sparksarco yeah. is a huge organization. Yeah. So a lot of it is about that that kind of messaging. And again, what you're saying there with regards to the kind of the competition that's out there for businesses yeah. looking for STEM graduates, even if they don't necessarily need the exact STEM skills. And I think that's only ever actually going to grow over the course of the next 20 years as we, as we see technology um, and the need for design thinking and process management and innovating in a way that is not just uh, abstract thinking, but is actually inductive reasoning, etc. Um, that as the kind of the tentacles of all things technology spread through big organizations, they're going to realize that there are more and more reasons why. An engineering graduate, a computer science graduate, someone whose understanding of the scientific process is going to be more and more appealing. So, I only think that competition is going to um, going to hot up. Um, Absolutely, personally. you know, and and I can see I can see the pull of that. I can see why businesses would be particularly interested mm. in somebody with a STEM background. Mm. Um, you know, as you're saying, with the developments in technology, but even just the the kind of core skills that that come along with. You know, somebody who has a great mathematical brain, mm. you know, they, they're going to be able to pick up financial aspects, which mm. in business, it's always going to revolve around finance. They're going to be detail oriented and analytical. Mm. And I think if you've got a great hiring process and you can identify other kind of personality attributes that um, would be aligned with kind of leadership potential, mm. actually having somebody who's got that really rational mm. background but has the so-called um, like soft skills, sure. if you like, um, the things that are harder to train. Mm. If you find that balance, then absolutely, you're onto a great thing. You're going to have an amazing candidate, mm. and they're going to do brilliant things, no matter what area of the business you put them in. Mm. Mm. I, I I couldn't agree more. I think that there is a there's a reality that you mustn't go after STEM students because purely because of the, the STEM focus. Mm. You have to put some more thought behind it. And you say, well, yeah. that skill set we know, if they've studied for three or four years, highly numerate degree, highly analytical degree, um, technology-focused degree, is going to be a very well-developed, dare I say it, side of the brain. We know it's not that simple. <laughs> um, but that side of the brain is going to be, that side of thinking is going to be really well-developed. But So what can we do to understand? What's the difference between this first class engineering degree and this first class engineering degree and that's going to be completely company specific Absolutely. as well.
Yeah. And even within one company, it can vary greatly depending on True. whereabouts you want to put them, True. what the expectation is for longer term. Um, quite often, um, one of the things I've seen in the process here at Spirax is we'll identify people who would be amazing engineers. Mm. They are going to be fantastic specialists in mm. their career. But ultimately, are they the person that is going to fit best on a rotational program? Yeah. Probably not, because actually they're probably not going to enjoy spending six months in marketing. Mm. You know, they'd much rather spend an extra six months tinkering in the manufacturing team mm. or working with research and development and designing mm. something, you know. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. I think for, for graduates, there's so much pressure to find a place on a graduate program. Yeah. But graduate programs aren't for everyone. No. You yeah. know, I say this as somebody who recruits for grad programs mm. mostly. I didn't do a grad program myself mm. because actually, you know, I, I came from um, an arts background. I mm. studied photographic arts and finding a relevant grad program that sees value in an arts degree was pretty hard. Tricky. So I kind of went, I went the hard route. I went do you know what? I'm going to work my way up to, to management positions in retail mm. and then I'm going to go and get a basic office job mm. and then I'm going to work really hard. And that's absolutely fine too. Mm. And I think, you know, graduates sometimes expect to get onto a grad program and kind of disappoint themselves when they don't get the program of their dreams. But yeah. I think that's kind of just the universe pointing and going, there's other routes you can take. I, I actually think that that is a, a bigger problem than than a lot of employers realise. And I think that, not I think that, but what, what we know from all the conversations that we have with students at Higher Window is that a lot of students actually think it's grad programme or nothing. Yeah. They don't really realise that there is, I don't know the, the entire volumes and, and the numbers and the statistics, but I'd be pretty surprised if there wasn't more jobs out there that weren't formal grad schemes and programmes mm -hmm. than there was that were. And I think that there really is a true misconception because... And maybe it's partly that's the focus from universities. They want to get their students onto great graduate schemes. They know it's yeah. going to help them in the long term. But there's so many other routes. And, and I guess on that, that kind of subject of other routes that, that young people can take, and you mentioned earlier that the individual who you've replaced here at Spirax for mm -hmm. a period of time has moved into something um, with an apprenticeship focus in that training provider. Yeah. Obviously, there's a huge, uh, I, I guess, a huge opportunity for employers to plug the proverbial STEM talent mm -hmm. gap, um, partly with apprenticeships. Mm -hmm. What have you What have you noticed during your time here in, in an engineering focused organisation mm -hmm. at, at a time just after, I guess, the the apprenticeship levy starts to really bite? I mean, is it has it, has it really kicked in yet? Is it is it all systems go on on apprenticeships, or is it still taking some time to sort of get there? I mean, I think Spirax is quite fortunate in the sense, you know apprenticeships aren't new to them right. i think this is where the stem industry mm. quite broadly um has an advantage over other organizations yeah. because actually apprenticeships are a reasonably well-established route into those roles um i think what needs to be addressed is the slight snobbery that sure. you often see around you know um gaining say a master's degree versus um undertaking a seven-year apprenticeship mm. but ultimately you come out with the same level of qualification. You mm. may come out with more experience ultimately by doing an apprenticeship. Mm. Um, 
And at Spyrax, you know, they've they've had apprenticeships running um, for several years. Um, it's handled by a separate team mm. to myself, so I don't really have any kind of touch on that. Um, you know, I know that uh, my successor here is going to have a little bit of um, kind of overview of it, but mm. ultimately there is a team who are dedicated to it because mm. they're creating business specialists. Yeah. They're creating engineers, mm. you know, who will specialize in one area or another. They offer um, a couple of different streams within mm. apprenticeships um, and they offer kind of continuous training as well. So once you've done one level, you can progress and take on the next one. Mm. Um, so I think it's a huge opportunity within STEM and I think businesses outside of the more traditional um mm. areas if you like um should really look to it and look at how it can be used mm. to grow your own talent mm. you know we need to acknowledge that 18 year olds leaving school have a lot to bring to the workplace yeah. that you know what they might lack in uh, perceived maturity or life experience they actually make up for in enthusiasm mm. and a willingness to learn you know they're mm. they're coming straight from school they've done nothing but learn for mm. their entire lives if there's one thing they can do really well it's learn pick and we up. need to yeah we need to leverage that they can pick up new things they can bring new ideas as well and actually i think there's a huge amount of value um in having a young person who's just left school um come in and and giving them the opportunity to put their ideas forward mm. to say okay well this is kind of how we've always done it but what do you think about that mm. and essentially when you're hiring grads what you're mm. you're paying the premium for is that they've had three years of somebody in a university environment doing exactly that and challenging them on the mm. way they think um and if if you're trying to get people to fill a specific skills gap in your organization what better than to grow your own bring people in and then you challenge them and mm. you train them in the areas that you know they need skills in mm. you know mm. yeah absolutely i think that um i think the right approach going forward for any organization is going to be a, a blended approach there too um absolutely. you know and, and i think that I guess that has its own challenges, um, you know, for talent management, for organisational development and design mm -hmm. and, and, and all the rest of it. But, uh, you know, I'm, I, I say this as someone who's running a business that right now is focused just on the graduate end of things. I don't mm -hmm. think that organisations looking to build the future are going to get enough graduates. They're not yeah. going to get enough people from, from that scheme unless they're the very, very top of the pile yeah. to, to really help um, drive an organisation forward into a, into a world that is filled with technology that is continuing to change at a pace that hardly anyone can keep up with anyway. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that's a key point there that it's changing at such a pace that it's hard to keep up. So mm. ultimately, if you've got uh, young people leaving mm. school at 18 going mm. on to do a degree mm. that makes absolute sense the day they sign up for it but they spend three four five years studying and they come out at the other end with a degree mm. that maybe isn't quite the flavor of the month that it was yeah. when they started um you know whereas actually if you've got people on an on an apprenticeship doing hands-on learning mm. every day that changes as the industry changes mm. so you know, if if there's something new that comes along next week, well, you get them working on it straight away. Mm. You haven't got to go, well, in three years, mm. we'll then teach them that. Mm. 
Mm. And I think a lot of that is the difference potentially for some organisations between a good graduate and a great graduate, because the great graduate is kept up with exactly what is going on at the cutting edge of the technology they might be studying. At Absolutely. As well. You know, and yeah, and I think there are so many graduates now. You know, we've got so many young people coming out of the end of that university mm. system. Mm. Um, and we need to look at the skills that they bring more than just the degree that mm. they bring. Mm. You know, mm. so like you're saying, if they have kept up with what's going on outside of university mm. and actually in the real world. Mm. Um, you know, for that reason, I absolutely love hiring graduates who have done a sandwich year yeah. or a placement year. Um, I think they bring so much more value mm. because they've got that real world application. Yeah. Um, genuinely, I uh, I actually took a year out halfway through my third year mm. um, because I kind of wanted to go and earn some money and, and see what it was like in the real world and then come back and finish my degree off. And I'm so glad I did it. Mm. I'm so glad that I worked every summer Mm. between years at university you know I always went and got an office job of some description you know I worked um in equity settlements in finance um, completely unrelated to my degree I I worked in retail I worked in just general admin uh you know all sorts anything I could give it a go Mm. I did and I really think that that's benefited me down the line in my career because I've got so many more strings to my bow. Mm. So for me, I love seeing a graduate who, yes, they've come out with decent grades. Yes, they've done a great job on their academics, but they've got some life experience as well. They've got a feel for you know what it's like to work in the real world yeah i think i think again this this is why a lot of employers even if they aren't an engineering firm a chemical firm they're leaning towards stem graduates because there are yeah. far more individuals who are studying those subjects on a sandwich <laughs> year compared to history english nothing wrong with studying those degrees i always no. qualify when i'm talking about arts degrees that there is yeah absolutely a place for people studying those if, that, if that's what they're passionate about but the reality of it is that how many history students do you hear about going on a sandwich year in their second or third year it's, it's yeah. culturally less of a thing um, yeah. in, in arts departments around universities and, and maybe that's something that, that actually needs to be addressed mm. uh, by universities as well yeah that is clearly one trend in, in the in the recruitment market, the talent acquisition market at the moment, this huge mm-hmm. push towards um, apprenticeships, which is, uh, I think, very welcome. Um, what else are you, I guess, noticing and excited by in terms of the talent acquisition industry over the next five five to ten years? I mean, what do you hope to see change, whether it's technology or attitudes? What, what, what do you think is going to be the difference between talent acquisition in 2019 and talent acquisition in 2024 oh big question um where to start on that really um so i think one of the things that's been kind of exciting me over the last year or two as it's developed um is just really the future of assessment Mm. um if we're kind of particularly looking at the entry-level careers space um you know traditionally you'll see lots of psychometrics being used um some companies will use very little some will use more you know there's there's a lot of variance um in those processes that you're essentially signing up for when you apply for a grad scheme Mm. but i think one of the things uh there was a big trend in gamification a couple of years ago that Mm. seems to have quietened down a little bit now um but one of the uh, the kind of buzzwords or phrases i've been hearing a lot recently is whole person assessment but i think it's a great way of actually keeping your candidates more engaged 
Um, you know, we all know about drop-off rates mm. when you've got 20 billion clicks between yeah. apply and actually having submitted your application. Yeah. You know, and if you're using whole person assessment, if you're using a really kind of blended approach that allows people to complete as much of that process as possible mm. in, you know, a simple half an hour, mm. hour long uh, kind of session, um, I think for candidates, they feel much more engaged if they're mm. finding out more about the business as they're working through it. If you're presenting them with real life scenarios, things that they're likely to encounter within your business yeah. where they can go, oh, actually, I see how my skills apply here yeah. versus endless psychometrics where you go, but how does this actually apply to me doing the job? Yeah. You know, um, some of the the, uh, the testing that exists out there, some of the verbal numerical reasoning stuff, you know, I have been reduced to tears quite literally doing a numerical assessment yeah. in the past. Um, I think of myself as reasonably good at maths. Yeah. Um, and my scores at the end of it showed that I did all right. Yeah. But honestly, the test was so hard. Mm. I convinced myself that I'd failed. Mm. It was a complete knock on my confidence, you know, mm. I did that on a, a Friday afternoon and I'll be honest, it ruined my weekend. Mm. You know, I just spent the whole time thinking, well, I've completely screwed this up. I'm mm. never going to get my dream job because I didn't do well. Mm. And it wasn't until the sort of Tuesday of the following week when I had a chat with the recruiter and they went, oh yeah, you scored really well and mm. uh, we, we're going to put you through. But actually it was so daunting. Mm. I'd had second thoughts about whether or not I wanted to take the role. Yeah. So I think whole person assessment where you're actually looking at how those skills are applied in the mm. workplace, what relevance they have to the job that you're hiring someone for and delivered in a way that for the candidate is a much more enjoyable experience mm. where they think, do you know what? Uh, yeah, they are probably applying for 10 different grad schemes. You know, mm. let's not make it a, <laughs> an eight week process for each of those applications. Yeah. If If they can get it done and dusted in a couple of hours mm. you know great yeah all the better they're gonna they're gonna have a better experience of your business they're going mm. to feel more positively about you and what you're doing as a company mm. um and i think that's that's key to another one of the the real big trends at the moment which is you know we have to start treating candidates as customers yes. and consumers yes you know Recruitment is getting ever closer to marketing. Mm. Um, you know, very rarely do you see the two entirely separate anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, there are plenty of businesses businesses out there who do recruitment marketing. Yes. Um, you know, and and with good reason. Candidates expect to be treated like a consumer. Mm. They don't want to be kept waiting. No. They want to know if they got the job or not. Yeah. You know, they don't want to feel like they've wasted their time. They want to be engaged. They want to see what it's like behind closed doors as well. Mm. They want to they want to try before they buy yeah. and know what they're signing themselves up for. Yeah. I think what the 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 thing that really stands out for me about whole person assessment is you know, in 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 my opinion the the solutions, the teams, the recruitment processes, as it were, that will win mm -hmm. over the next five to ten years will be the ones that find a way to to combine efficiency and accuracy for recruiters yeah. with candidate experience. Absolutely. So it becomes a joyful experience for a candidate to apply to a job, yeah. never actually sacrificing the robust 
assessment that a, that a recruiter needs to know whether or not someone is, is right for a job. And if you can balance those two wants and needs yeah. in one kind of intuitive solution, you, you will be onto a winner. Absolutely. And yeah, I'm definitely keeping my eyes peeled mm. for whoever cracks that one because... Mm if they can get it right Mm. and create something that for me as a recruiter, as you say, gives me all the data that Mm. I need. Um, Because whilst we're we're becoming more and more marketing focused, we are ever more data driven. You know, the the best recruiters are looking at the data, they're looking at the metrics. Um, You know, there's all this focus on diversity. Well, Mm. actually, the only way that you get better at increasing diversity is by looking at the data mm. and looking at where are we falling short and yeah. where are we succeeding. Mm. So, yeah, so any process that delivers a great candidate experience, but also those fantastic metrics that you can use and build on for mm. future rounds, mm. brilliant. Couldn't agree more. I think that's enough questions from me. Okay. Where can people reach you? How can they find you if they would like to, uh, to connect? Uh, yeah, so um, you can find me on social media as uh, Viridian Talent. Uh, so that is my kind of individual consulting um, platform, if you like. Um, so viridiantalent.com. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. And you can find me personally on LinkedIn as Daryl Wood. Awesome. Well, look, thank you so much for, for joining us. Fantastic conversation. Uh, and uh, I'm sure uh, people will enjoy listening to that. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Any questions, any feedback, or if you want to be a guest on the TA report, you can reach me at matt at higherwindow.com. We'll be back soon. We've got some great guests lined up. It's going to be a great summer. Cheers. Speak soon.